재미와 지식의 오디오라이프 팝빵 This is Koreascape on TBS EFM 101.3 MHz in Seoul and surrounding areas. Twice a week, we tap into the Korean mindset the best way we know how by listening to what Koreans are saying to each other on mainstream or on social media. It's called Culture Pulse, and on Thursdays, we are guided through it by Natasha So. Hey, Natasha. Hey, Carl. Good morning. All right. So a big uh, cause of accidents here in Korea and in the rest of the world, road rage, anger on the roads. Uh, Koreans apparently have been talking about it a little bit lately. That's right. Uh, to first have a look at road rage and sort of the cause behind it, we need to look at some numbers. According to the National Police Agency, just over half, 51% of retaliatory driving incidents last year began with a driver butting in without using their indicators. And similarly, when the Korea Transport Institute surveyed some 1,000 drivers in December last year, most respondents who confessed to having driven in rage said that they did so because they nearly got into an accident. Mm. So it follows that the most common road rage scenario in Korea is when someone comes in and abruptly cuts you off, nearly causing an accident. So you, you know, get angry and seek revenge. Yeah, it's kind of a feedback loop, right? Somebody uh, does something very inconsiderate in that you boil over and then you start driving inconsiderately and you try to revenge drive. You want to hit the gas and then cut them off. There's a horrible video going viral right now uh, of, a, of an accident in Korea where this guy does precisely that. He cuts oh. this truck off and the truck flips over and <gasps> goes off the edge of the road. Oh. So here in Korea, do they distinguish between just bad driving and angry or revenge driving? They do. So the newly revised Road Traffic Act, they have defined... Uh, Revenge driving has including things like overtaking another car to deliberately slow down in front of them and also getting out of your car to verbally abuse another driver. And this revised act, they impose strict penalties for revenge driving and those found guilty will have their driver's license cancelled or suspended. Mm. Now, there have been growing complaints from the public, especially those charged with relatively minor uh, revenge driving offences, about unfairness. The argument is... You know, the careless driver put me in danger, so why should I be the only one getting punished? So in response to this, the police said that it will impose fines on the victims of revenge driving as well if it is found that the victims violated traffic rules in the first place, such as not using their blinkers. Yeah. You guys say blinkers as well? Yeah. It's interesting. <laughs> uh, it's an, it adds an interesting psychological dimension. You know, the police now have to sort of filter whether these people were angry and what Whether their intent they were justified. Was. Yeah. yeah, and what the, were they trying to get revenge or were they, just like the first driver, trying to be, you know, just being inconsiderate, right. you know? So uh, it adds a whole layer of things. What are people saying about this new revised act that takes revenge driving into account? Well, the almost unanimous sentiment was that, you know, while revenge driving is a grave crime, ill-mannered drivers are a big problem too. One person wrote... When you're trying to change lanes and the roads are backed up bumper to bumper, just put on your blinkers on and wait. One in five drivers will let you win. These are nice people. But of course, if you suddenly cut in front without warning, then people are going to get annoyed. Mm. And also this comment, if someone has their indicators on to join my lane, I gently press the brakes, slow down and let them in. But if they shove their heads in first without putting their blinkers on, I honk the horn, speed up and make sure that they don't get in. 
Please use your indicators. It's basic manners. Do you suffer from road rage? Oh, no, I don't drive in Korea. Yeah. But so the only time I drived was when I was in Australia. And to be honest, I haven't even seen road rage. In action, I've seen the viral videos that you're talking yeah. about, but even in Korea or Australia or other countries, I've never, never seen road rage in action. I've got a cousin back in the states that has terrible road rage. Oh. Uh, every every move he makes with his car is some <laughs> kind of emotional statement. Oh. Uh, but here in Korea, I don't drive either. But I I kind of understand if you get a case of road rage because mm-hmm. there is some very aggressive driving here. Topic number two today, Natasha, minimalism, choosing to live with less. That's right. The minimalist lifestyle, it's picking up in Korea as well. It's about getting rid of unnecessary clutter in your life so that you're freer to appreciate what's more important. In other words, it's about owning less to enjoy more. Mm -hmm. And an increasing number of people worldwide are taking it up as a key lifestyle principle. And in Korea, the minimalist trend, it started gaining traction a, a year or two ago when books introducing such a lifestyle were translated into Korean mostly from Japanese authors, Mm -hmm. and they've become bestsellers. And since then, numerous internet communities dedicated to minimalism have been popping up. And one example is a web cafe called Minimal Life. It was set up about a year and a half ago, and it goes by the tagline, perfection isn't when you no longer have anything to add, but when you no longer have anything to take away. That was, uh, I can't remember exactly who. I want to say Michelangelo, but that was his definition of a perfect sculpture Ah. when there's no longer anything to take away. Ah, because you're literally chipping away. Because you've chipped away at all of the necessary bits that you need to make the perfect form. I think it was Michelangelo, but if I'm wrong, uh, I don't know. Somebody tell me. Yeah, this this topic has come up before. Uh, We've talked about it. And and in the U.S., this has been, I don't know, about 20 years a thing. Mm -hmm. Voluntary simplicity, right? Right. Reduce, dial it back, have only what you need, uh, that kind of thing. And reduce mental clutter, basically, and the need to have all of this stuff. Um, They say the main way to go poor is to spend money that you don't have to impress people that you don't particularly like, you know? I don't like that when you're forced to sort of live a lifestyle that you can't afford. Mm -hmm. Putting on airs. Mm. So people are getting tired of that, and uh, they're taking away, and a lot of people are joining this web cafe, apparently. That's right. So nowadays, the cafe gets around 100 new members every day, and membership numbers have jumped 30-fold over the past two months. And when I checked the site uh, just before coming on there were just over 9,000 members so it's a huge thing. What kind of stuff do they talk about? Well you know they share ideas about how to practice minimalism in day to day life they post before and after pictures of their house, Uh, they give information about where they can donate things that they no longer uh, need and they also play these games to encourage each other, to spur each other on for example there's one where on the first of every month, each participant has to dispose or give away one unnecessary item in the house. And on the 10th, they get rid of 10. So it's a way to pare down and, mm. you know, prevent junk from accumulating. Yeah, there's nothing like a nice clean look in a house and, you know, no no clutter. I've only known it uh, for <laughs> brief shining <laughs> moments, but that's what I would like to go for too. During spring cleaning moments. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's practical economic reasons behind this, right? Stuff is getting more expensive here. Exactly. So one of the key reasons uh, minimalism has taken a foothold in Korea is because of necessity, the high housing costs. According to a professional home organizer, Yoon Seonhyun, the average price of apartments in Seoul last year was roughly $5,000 per square meter. So when you use this number to calculate the opportunity cost of having something in your house, then there's a strong argument for going the minimalist route. For example, a typical treadmill takes up around one square meter of floor space. 
So the price of having that treadmill in your house, whether you use it or not, is not just its second-hand selling price, but the second-hand selling price plus $5,000. Oh, very I've never heard that particular way of thinking about things. I'm about to engage in my own minimalism experiment. I'm moving into a teeny-weeny oktapang. Ah. But I'm going to do it really nice. I'm going to, like, do the decor and stuff. By yourself? By myself. Oh. And it's going to be... Uh, I, I, there's not going to be room for one extra thing. You know, I'm going to pare down to just the very simplest necessities. Yeah, so maybe you can use this calculation to... The opportunity out. cost yeah. of this or that. What are people talking about specifically when they talk about minimalism? Uh, one person wrote, I have been practicing minimalism for a few months now, and the point is not about getting rid of things, but about realizing how greedily we have been holding on to material possessions. Another popular comment, I like this idea and want to put it into practice, but it's hard throwing stuff away, even the things I don't really use. And finally... I suspect that some people follow this fad because they want an excuse to get rid of out-of-fashion goods and replace it with more of-the-moment furniture and gadgets. It's easier to get rid of what you already own. It's harder to fight the urge to buy new things and continue living without. This chat makes me think of my mom back home. Uh, you look at her house, her apartment, and it is clean and sparse oh. and beautiful and not an extra thing. But there's one room oh, <laughs> where floor to ceiling, there's you know boxes and things like that. She'd kill me for saying that. The miscellaneous room. The miscellaneous room, <laughs> yes. The chaos room. Yeah. Topic number three. Natasha, do you like a man in uniform? Oh, uh, as uh, much as any other girl, I would say. Okay, all right. So uh, apparently the topic of men in uniforms is becoming a bit current. Exactly. So a popular Tongaibo article examined that topic of men in uniforms, you know, why it's popular and what it takes to look good in one. According to culture critic Kim Honsik, uniforms give the wearer a sense of belonging and identity. And as employment instability and economic uncertainty continue in Korea, it's natural that the desire for traditional identity anchors such as uniforms keep growing. The article also opines that with the rise of Nam, or the so-called herbivorous men, are you familiar with this term? I have heard, is this the same thing that they call in Japan, like vegetable guys or, veg, you know, I am not, not f- really interested in women? Oh, that's right, yeah. They're okay. not as uh, sort of aggressive. Yeah. They're, so comparison would be the carnivorous men. So with the rise of this trend, uh, women are placing greater value on physical strength and discipline, which in turn is associated with men in military, police, or firefighter uniforms. Okay, so some uniforms are better than others, like your local fast food <laughs> restaurant uniform. Oh, we're not talking about that kind okay. of uniform. <laughs> yeah, got it. Uh, what, so how, how do people view looking good in a uniform? What does it take? Well, you know, according to military officials, I found this very interesting but it's now easier than before compared to our parents generation to look good in military gear because they now come in wider range of sizes for example the army uniform now comes in 37 different sizes for the top Mm -hmm. and 33 sizes for the pants so it's now easier to find the perfect fit all right examples of who out there is setting this trend of uniforms? Well, you know, according to the article, the poster boy for handsome men in uniform is their actor Kang Dong-won. At different times in films and TV shows, he's appeared in various uniforms, priest uniform, a high school uniform, and even a prison uniform, and managed to pull them off in style. So, based on his physique, the article said... The ideal, it gave out some ideal physical measurements, and I'll just quickly read them off. 186 centimeters tall, 
66 kilograms in weight, a face that's around 20 centimeters in length, and arms and legs that are 15 percent longer than the average Joe. It's very quantified. Give me a quick <laughs> uh, comment from somebody about this. The perfect fit? Haha, <laughs> that's laughable. At my division in the military, they never had all the sizes in stock, and it was common to be given one or two sizes too big. Most men don't look too hot in military gear. Just go to his whole station and check it out for yourself. <laughs> TV dramas and movies paint an unrealistic image and ruin it for the real soldiers who are doing their best to serve the country. So a uniform alone won't necessarily do it. That's the Culture Pulse today. Natasha, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And Korea Escape returns right after this.